This morning, we are continuing on in our series through the Gospel of Luke, and we are in chapter 6, beginning in verse 37. So if you have your copy of God's Word, you can turn there with me. In our passage this morning, Jesus is continuing on in the sermon that we've been working through for the last couple of weeks, and it's important to note that Jesus is talking to his disciples, as, he's, as it says in verse 20. He's talking to those who hear in verse 27. Um, in other words, he's talking to believers. He's talking to those who have been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And he's telling us how we are to live in the kingdom of God. So keep that in mind as we look at this passage together. Again, Luke chapter 6 beginning in verse 37, I'm going to read through verse 45. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. This is God's holy word that cannot and does not fail. It is a scientific fact that everyone's favorite place to go is the dentist. Now, now that's clearly a joke. Not many of us actually like going to the dentist, but it is really important for the health of our teeth and our gums, that we go to the dentist for a regular checkup, even though we are doing things every day to care for our teeth. In the same way, I believe that it is really important that we do, um, I believe that it's really important for the health of our souls to do a major heart checkup every once in a while, even though we are doing things every day to care for our souls. So this morning, What we're going to do is we're going to do a heart checkup by using the analogy that Jesus uses in this passage. And he uses the analogy of the fruit tree. Now, in this passage, the fruit of the fruit tree, in our case, um, an apple tree, represents our thoughts and our actions. The tree is the type of person, and the roots represent our hearts. And what Jesus says, he says that each tree is known by its fruit. And so the fruit that we are bearing will flow from where our hearts are rooted. 
In other words, our thoughts and our actions will flow from where our hearts are at. And so we can look at our fruit, we can look at our thoughts and actions, and we can ask, why am I doing that? Or we can ask, what's going on in my heart when I think that, or when I say that, or when I do that? And this morning, there are four main checkup questions from this passage that we can ask to examine our fruit, and these four questions are my points. So first, are you merciful as your Father is merciful? From verses 37 through 38. Second, are you becoming more like your teacher? From verses 39 through 40. Third, are you taking the log out of your own eye? From verses 41 through 42. And fourth, are you bearing good fruit? From verses 43 through 45. Now, there's a lot of questions this morning, and we posted them on the Facebook page, and they're also on our website under the sermons tab, so you can find them there. Um, And I'm not expecting you to dive deep into them all as we go along. So first point and first question this morning is, are you merciful as your Father is merciful? From verses 37 through 38. So our passage this morning comes right after Jesus says, be merciful even as your Father is merciful. So God the Father has shown us mercy in Christ Jesus by saving us. And then in verses 37 and 38, Jesus gives us practical ways that we can be merciful that flows from God's mercy to us. He begins and says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Jesus is not saying here that there is no room in the Christian life for speaking the truth in love, and humbly confronting people in their sin. Jesus will make that clear in a few verses. But here, Jesus is forbidding assuming the right to criticize, find fault with, and condemn others. In other words, it's not our job to poke and to prod others with our own unreasonable and unhelpful criticism. It reminds me, if if you ever go to a bonfire, there's always one person who's poking and prodding the wood to get it to go into the bright and perfect place. And that just reminds me that it's not our job to poke and to prod people into getting them to do what we think is best. It's not about our standard. We are not the Holy Spirit in people's lives. We are not on the throne, and it's not our job to declare another person guilty before God. But it is our job, however, as Jesus continues to forgive and to give. Jesus commands, forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Now forgiveness is not saying that something, forgiveness is not saying that someone didn't do something wrong. It's not holding them accountable for their actions. True forgiveness is releasing that person from holding them responsible for what they did and handing that over to Jesus Christ. For example, when I sin against my wife, which sadly I do more often than I would like, and when I ask for forgiveness, when she forgives me, she isn't giving me what I deserve for my sin. And on top of that, she isn't holding it over my head, but she lets it go and she gives it to Christ. True forgiveness is not holding on to another person's sin, Um, but it's letting it go and giving it to Jesus Christ. But we are not only to forgive, 
Jesus commands us to give. We know from 2 Corinthians 9 that God loves a cheerful giver. So we are called to generously give of our time, our talent, and our treasure to building up the kingdom of God. But we must keep in mind here that we are not trying to earn God's favor by doing these things. Remember that Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to believers. Living out these commands is evidence that God has forgiven us. And this is the beauty of the gospel. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the reality is that Jesus has taken the judgment that we deserve for our sins so that we don't have to judge others. Jesus has taken the condemnation that we deserve for our sins so that we don't have to condemn others. God has forgiven our sins in Christ Jesus so that we can forgive others. God has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ so that we can freely give to others. And this is how God has been merciful to us. And this is how God calls us to be merciful to others. This is where we can pause and ask, um, we can pause and look at our thoughts and our actions in order to see if our hearts are merciful as our Father is merciful. So section one, checkup questions. Again, these questions are on the website. We posted them on the Facebook page. And my expectation for right now during the summer, or the sermon, is not to get through, I'm not expecting you to process through all of these questions right now. Um, we'll talk about next steps at the end of the sermon. But section one, checkup questions. Are you merciful as your father is merciful? Why or why not? Are you sinfully critical of others? Why or why not? Do you pronounce others as guilty? Why or why not? Are you forgiving towards others? Why or why not? Are you giving towards others? And actually, I think a better way to ask it is, are you giving of your time, your talent, and your treasure to the kingdom of God? And why or why not? Each tree is known by its fruit. And so we are looking at our fruit, our thought and our actions, so that we can see where our hearts are rooted. So let's continue by looking at the second point and the second question, which is, are you becoming more like your teacher? And this is from verses 39 through 40. So Jesus continues by telling a parable. He says, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? By definition, a blind man cannot see where he is going. And if someone who cannot see where they are going leads someone else who cannot see where they are going, well, that's not going to end well. And Jesus is using this analogy to refer to those who are blind to the truth. He's telling his disciples and he's telling us to be careful who we listen to and who we believe to, who we believe. To paraphrase J.C. Ryle, if we are willing to trust blind guides, we must not be surprised if we are led to destruction. This is why it is absolutely vital that we evaluate everything that we hear and everything that we believe by the word of God. But we should also be careful how we lead others. We cannot guide others into the truth unless we can see clearly where we are going. If we don't have love, 
we can't see clearly. If we don't know the way of salvation, then we can only lead others to disaster. Without Jesus Christ, we are blind. But praise God that by faith in Christ, we can sing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. I was blind, but now I see. And what do we see? We see Jesus Christ for who he truly is. Amen? Jesus continues in verse 40, and he says, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Now, in the cultural context, according to one commentary, a disciple is a student of a rabbi. A rabbi is just a Jewish teacher. And this disciple committed to memorizing and living according to their master's teachings. And the ultimate goal of discipleship was for that disciple to be like his teacher. And this was accomplished when that disciple was fully trained. So what does this mean for us as disciples of Jesus? This means that we should make it our goal to be like Jesus. And we can only do this by the power and the help of the Holy Spirit working through the word of God. And again, this is the beauty of the gospel. When we follow Jesus by listening, believing, and obeying his word, we will become more like him. We will be transformed from one degree of glory to another. We will be restored into the image of Christ. We will love like he loves. We will live like he lives. We will teach others what he teaches us. And one day when he comes back, we will be fully like him because we will see him for who he truly is. And as we wait, we can continue to sing. "'Tis grace that brought me here thus far and grace that leads me home." And the more that we are becoming like Christ, the more evidence that we have that God is working in our lives and that he is with us. And this is where we can pause and look at our thoughts and our actions in order to see where our hearts are at. So section two, checkup questions. Again, these are on the website and on the Facebook page. Do you recognize that you were once blind but now can see? How so? Who and what are you listening to and believing? Is it in line with scripture? Why or why not? Are you leading others into the way of truth? How so? Are you becoming more like Jesus Christ? In what ways? In what ways do you need to grow to become more like Jesus? Why? Each tree is known by its fruit, and so we are checking our fruit, which represents our thoughts and our actions, so that we can see where our hearts are at. So let's continue with a third point in the third question. Are you taking the log out of your own eye? This is coming from verses 41 through 42. So Jesus continues by asking, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Now, the word for speck here just means a very small wood chip. And the word for log 
refers to a very large beam of wood that would be used for constructing a roof. So I want you just to picture a construction site where two men are building a house. One of them was sawing wood and got a really small wood chip in his eye. Now, if this has ever happened to you, you know that it actually hurts and it needs to be removed. But this man with a small wood chip in his eye is not in any danger of real um, major damage. And the other man, he slipped and he fell, and somehow the largest beam of the house got stuck in his eye. Now, I actually think Jesus is being really funny here. That's probably not physically possible, but if it was, that beam would need to be removed as soon as possible, otherwise that man could lose his life. But it would be absolutely ridiculous for the man with the beam in his eye to pick up the beam and come running over to his buddy who has a little speck in his eye to say, hey man, let me help you get that speck out of your eye. This is what Jesus is trying to highlight here. He's saying that we first need to notice that we have a giant log in our eye. And this log represents our own sin. Now, this can refer to any sin, but I believe mostly what Jesus is referring to is pride that thinks that we are better than others. And I don't know about you, but it's often really easy for me to see the sins of others, and it's often really hard for me to see my own sin. Jesus wants us first to notice the sin that we have in our own hearts, thoughts, in actions. And what Jesus says at the end of verse 42 is very bold and very convicting to me. He says, You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck that is in your brother's eye. Jesus is not saying that we should never help our friends take out the speck that is in their eye. He's saying that we first need to notice the log that is in our own eye. And then we need to remove that log, and we do that through repentance, which we'll talk about here shortly. But after we remove the log in our own eye, we can see clearly to take the speck out of our brother and sister's eye. In other words, we repent of our sin in order to help our friend repent of their sin. Now this is convicting to me because we live in a culture that teaches the idea of, don't judge me. This is a magical phrase that when used can get unanimous approval for whatever it is that you are doing. When someone confronts us, it's easy to play the don't judge me card. Don't judge me, bro. What I do with my life is none of your business. But this is not what Jesus is teaching here. It's certainly not our role to sit on God's throne and to declare people innocent or guilty. But it is our role, however, to speak the truth in love and humbly confront our brothers and sisters in their sin. It's our role to remove the log in our own eye so that we can lovingly and humbly help our brothers and sisters remove the speck that is in their eye. It's our role to repent of our sin in order to help our brothers and sisters repent of their sin. What this means is that after we remove the log in our eye, we must be willing to help our friend with the tiny speck. It takes true love 
to humbly and gently and lovingly confront someone of their sin. But what this also means, and which can be hard for me sometimes, is that when a brother or sister confronts us in our sin, we must receive it out of love. We must take the time to examine our hearts and to see if there is actually any sin. And this is where the beauty of the gospel comes in. That when the log in our own eye was killing us, Jesus took it out and literally died on it. Jesus died on a wooden beam in the shape of a cross to remove the log in our eye and the sin in our hearts. Galatians 3 says it well. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. And it is the Holy Spirit that helps us notice our sin by convicting us of it. And it is by the Holy Spirit that we can have our identity rooted in Christ and we can have the confidence to do a major heart checkup. So this is where we can pause and we'll go section three, checkup questions. Do you notice that you have a log in your eye? What is it? Do you take the log out of your own eye before confronting others? How do you do this? Do you humbly and gently speak the truth in love into others' sins? Why or why not? Do you listen when people confront you in your sin? Why or why not? Each tree is known by its fruit, so we are checking our fruit, which represents our thoughts and our actions, so that we can do a heart checkup. So let's continue with the fourth point and the fourth question this morning. Are you bearing good fruit? This comes from verses 43 through 45. Jesus continues with another parable or analogy, and he says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. Jesus here is marking the vast difference between figs and grapes, which are two of the most common and most beloved fruits in Palestine at this time. And he's contrasting those with thorn bushes and bramble bushes, which are connected to the curse of the fall. Where in Genesis 3.18, when the ground was cursed because of Adam's sin, God said that it would therefore bear thorns and thistles. In other words, what this means practically is that Jesus is marking the difference between bearing the fruit of the Spirit and bearing the fruit of selfish, sinful desires. So what does this mean for us as disciples of Jesus Christ? This means that the reason for taking the time to check our thoughts and our actions is to know where our heart is at. And how do we know where our hearts are at? We look at the fruit. Let's go back again to our fruit tree picture. Again, our fruit represents our thoughts and our actions. The tree is a type of person. Are we a fig tree? Are we a bramble bush? The roots are our hearts and shows where our hearts are rooted. And so we look at our fruit in order to see what kind of tree we are and where we are rooted. We look at our thoughts 
in our actions to see where our hearts are at. And this is Jesus' point. Look at verse 45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. The good person produces good fruit out of the good treasure in their heart. The evil person produces evil fruit out of the evil treasure of their heart. It is what is in our souls that determines what type of fruit we will bear. And because we believe all of Scripture, we believe that none is righteous, no, not one. We believe that all of our righteous deeds are like filthy rags to God. And we believe that no one can please God on their own. And this means that we cannot bear good fruit unless God is working in our lives. This means that we cannot live out the commands in this passage without the help of God. This means that on our own, we are a thorn bush and God's need, God needs to transform us into a fig tree. But again, this is the beauty of the gospel. That Jesus Christ has compassion on lowly thorn bushes. And he takes a crown of our thorns. He puts it on his head and bears the wrath of God for our sin. And he conquers death by resurrecting from the grave. And by faith in him, he sends his spirit to make us alive together with him. Jesus Christ transforms us from a thorn bush into a fig tree. And in Christ, we can bear good fruit. In Christ, we can live out what he commands us. In Christ, we can look at the fruit that we are bearing and be encouraged that God is with us, that God loves us, and that he is working in us and through us. And this is where we can pause and look at section four checkup questions. What fruits are you bearing in your life? Are they the fruits of the Spirit? Um, you can look at the, these verses here in Galatians 5. Or are they the fruits of selfish desires? What are your thoughts and actions? What do your thoughts and actions say about the state of your heart? Is your heart rooted in Christ? Why or why not? Now, heart checkups are good and they're helpful, but they're not, not worth anything unless we do something with it. In your dentist checkup, your dental hygienist will do some cleaning and some other things, and they'll tell you that you need to floss more. Maybe that's just me. Um, but then the dentist comes in, and he comes and he checks out our teeth and our gums. And if he finds a cavity or something and he stops there, that checkup would be completely worth it, worthless. But they don't, right? They check out our teeth and then they get to work with whatever needs to be done. Now, it's either that same day or you have to make an appointment. But after checking out our teeth, they get to work with whatever needs to be done. So with our heart checkups, what needs to be done? Well, the first thing is that we need to give thanks where we need to give thanks. If by grace our heart is rooted in Christ Jesus and we are bearing good fruit, we should give thanks and praise our great and almighty God. 
because he loves us. He is changing us and he is working in us. He is with us. And that is really good news and we should pause and give him thanks. The second thing that we should do with our heart checkup is repent where we need to repent. If after evaluating our thoughts and our actions and our hearts and we find sin, then by God's grace we need to turn away from that sin through repentance. And I know I've said this many times, but the best practical way that we, we do that is through the CAR acronym. Confess, affirm, and request. We confess our sins because if we do, God is faithful and just to forgive us. We affirm who God is and we affirm who we are in Christ. This is our identity. And then we request the Holy Spirit to help us change so that we can live for him and so that we can be more like Christ. And then the third thing that we do with our checkup is we obey with the help of the Holy Spirit. Now we obey not to earn God's favor, but because Christ has earned God's favor for us. Jesus said in John, 15, or John 14, 15, that if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Then after he said that, he promised to send his Holy Spirit to help do this. And we have the Holy Spirit to help us do this, and we can ask him to help us obey God's word. So let's go back to the dentist's office. At the end of your regular checkup, you... Um, normally make another appointment for your next regular checkup. Now, my wife pointed out to me that there's three different philosophies when it comes to dentist appointments. You have those who are very consistent and they do their regular checkups every six months, every year, whatever that may be. You have those who have good intentions about being consistent, but for whatever reason, they only end up going to the dentist every two to three years. And then you have those who will only go to the dentist when something is majorly wrong. <laughs> Jake is pointing at himself right now. Um, and normally when you go to the dentist when something is majorly wrong, then something major needs to be done, like uh, a root canal or a tooth needs to be pulled or something like that. And my friends, I pray that we are not Christians who only do a major heart checkup when something is majorly wrong. And I say this out of experience. Over the last few years, um, I thought that I was doing okay until I really stopped to do a major heart checkup, which I did about a month ago. And the more that I searched my heart, the more that I found sin and suffering and pain, and it was really hard, but the more that I searched God's word and um, what he has to say to me in Christ Jesus, the more hope and grace and love that I found. And so my prayer for you is that you take the time to truly dive into these assessment questions. Now, what does this look like practically? Now, for me, I took a whole week off and I spent many, many hours that week praying and reading and searching. Um, I would highly recommend that, but I do realize that that's probably not practical for most of you. Um, so it might mean taking your day that you normally have off and spending a couple hours looking through these questions, looking at scripture, assessing where your heart is at. And even for some of you, that might not be practical as well. So maybe it might mean 
just taking an extra five to 15 minutes every day and just going through one question at a time just to do a major heart checkup to see where you are at, to see what thoughts and actions and um, where they are coming from with your heart. Now, certainly the questions that I have outlined here are just guidelines, and they're flowing from this particular passage, but they might be a helpful place for you to start. There's really no right or wrong way to do this. I just really encourage you to do this, and I can say from experience um, that I was really struggling, and now I'm experiencing and living in the joy of Christ, and I desire that for all of you. And as you work through the questions and do the assessment, just remember to give thanks where you need to give thanks, repent where you need to repent, and then obey with the help of the Spirit. And we obey not to earn God's favor. We obey because we love God. And we love God because he first loved us and sent his son to die for our sins so that we might live through him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, Search us and know us and see if there is any grievous way in us. And I pray that as you search, as we search, that you reveal our sin to us. And I know that that can be hard. It can be painful. But Lord, as you do this, may you encourage us with the truth of the gospel, that even in the fact that we are being convicted of our sin, that that is truth, that you are working in us. But I also pray that you Help us to turn away from our sin and turn to you because in your presence is fullness of joy. And when we are in our sin, we cannot experience your presence. Cause our hearts to turn to you, to love you, to find our joy in you. And I do pray, Lord, that you um, give us the time and the space and the heart to actually do what is hard and do a major heart checkup. We pray this for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.